Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. And that is true. Uh, I am your host, your groove mistress and your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Perry, Jennifer, Jen, JP. It's all good to me because I'm just glad I'm here and I'm glad that you're here. And uh, somebody asked me recently about the genie bottle. Yeah, one of my first guests, or first people I interviewed back when it was a blog, not a podcast, uh, went back and told the world, I've been to Madam Perry's salon. It's like the inside of Jeannie's bottle. And so the word was out, and after that, everybody came on and uh, wanted their own special cushions and everything, and I make sure every guest has one here in the Jeannie bottle. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Boy, the number, you got, I had some big stats last weekend, uh, all last week, and uh, thank you so much for listening for subscribing on whatever podcast platform you prefer to enjoy your podcast and whatever way you prefer to enjoy them. Thank you so much and for sharing them, for the nice reviews that you've left on Apple iTunes or Stitcher about how you enjoy the guest, whether it's somebody famous that you know or somebody you've never heard of, like an anthrozoologist that comes on or a NASA JPL expert specialist you still like it and i appreciate that because i want to uh, i'm here to entertain i'm here to provide information and entertainment for the people uh last week and i told you i was i would give uh, you the information was that last week we had wendy moton uh singer up in nashville and uh she was on uh, headlines on a grand old opera special last tuesday also i was watching uh, uh last night on youtube i watched uh, a special on bonnaroo or, or something on Bonnaroo that was on YouTube. It had like a behind-the-scenes and the show. It was Larry Graham, Billy Idol, but Wendy Moton and uh, John Oates was in band. Wendy Moton was one of the singers on that, and uh, she's great. So, yeah, I, I'm still sharing her uh, website and information on how to get her music and find out where she you can see her. Also, Michael DeBar, excuse me, Marquis Michael DeBar was on here before. And, of course, you listen to him on Sirius XM on Little Stevens Underground in the mornings. And he's got a brand-new documentary out, which is what we were talking about. It's called Who Do You Want Me to Be? And I thought that first just applied to him as an actor. However, I didn't realize until I watched the documentary that he co-wrote the song with singer Holly Knight, um, Obsession. You know, that Who Do You Want Me to Be? So, yeah, so that's Michael Daybar, and uh, he's still sharing uh Things from Madam Perry Salon. So yeah, check out that check out that documentary. Coming soon, we've also got Jen Lancaster. I am so excited. She's I think on her thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth book. Uh, the first one she wrote, um, I think it's about twelve years ago. Uh, Bitter as a new black, subtitled or why you shouldn't take your product back to the unemployment office. Uh, after that was Bright Lights, Big Ass, uh, such a pretty fat. She's got such great books. She's a funny, funny woman. So she'll be here, um, I think it's the 28th, to promote her newest book. 
And but oh, guys, tonight, tonight, I have promised you that people have uh, tonight. This guest, look, I don't often get, I don't often get all fangirl and tongue-tied with certain guests, but it's okay because this guest can just keep on going if I just lose my nerve and can't talk. Uh, he's good. He's good at that. Anyway, he's a hilarious man. He's been on the Tonight Show, Conan Late Show with Letterman, Late Show with Seth Meyers, Late Late Show with James Corden. Uh, he's had his own Comedy Central Presents special. That's no small thing. His uh, own last comic standing. He's got his uh, his first comedy album, which is called Vegan Mind Meld, was one of iTunes' top ten comedy albums of the year. And his newest, a.k.a., has been sub- submitted to be considered for a nomination for the Grammy. And several times on here, I have made predictions for guests that came true, like you will get a publisher, you will get this. I feel quite certain. And uh, remember, I've done some uh, palm reading at some pretty prestigious events, so I think so. But let me bring him in. He's sitting here in the genie bottle on a cushion. It's a little dim, but I think he's comfortable for his first time, hopefully the first of many, to Madame Perry Salon, comedian Mike Kaplan. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That was, uh, I don't think I need to say anything. You said it all. And uh, But if you do get tongue-tied, my tongue is untied all the time. And uh, I am happy to be here. Uh, I am comfortably sitting on a cushion. Oh, good, good. You know, I first started listening to you uh, many years ago. You'd be on Laugh USA, which is the channel that I listen to that keeps me from having the road rage other people suffer from. And uh, you you do have a style that is completely, inimitably your own, uh, which is enchanting and enthralling in itself. So I want to know where you became a comedian because I understand, because I mean, you're a hilariously funny man, but I understand that at one point you were going to be a singer. That was your goal. It's true. Uh, I, a singer hyphen songwriter. I, I feel like just when you, if you just say stinger, then it sounds like you, like I, I, I took voice lessons in college and uh, I just wanted to be able to sing uh, quote unquote better or you know I mean well was not like the that was like on the that was my my reach goal but I had been writing songs since uh, like mid high school around age 15 16 I started playing guitar and I had been playing the violin since I was about four uh, kind of against my will my parents were music teachers and uh, it was important to them that I uh, that I love music, uh, particularly my mother, I believe. Uh, so like, I wasn't even really given the choice. My mom, I think, I don't remember this. My mom tells me that when I was four, she was like, what musical instrument would you like to play? This one or this one, the violin or a different violin, you know? And I was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I trust, I trust these people who are like, I, I love them. They are, they are a supportive caring family i'm very fortunate uh you know i didn't have anything to compare to at the time but i was just like oh sure i guess i'll do uh the thing that you're offering because you're in charge of you know my food supply clothing shelter and such and uh then i kind of felt tricked because i did not like playing the violin but uh it was sort of the way i 
it was more a religion, a religious practice than religion even was in my house. Like I, my mom, if I had like really just said like, I don't want to get a bar mitzvah. I don't want to go to Hebrew school or Sunday school or temple at all. I think she wouldn't have made me. But when I did say, I don't want to learn how to play the violin anymore. She would have said, that's too bad because you have to have, she's like, I have faith. You don't even have to have faith. I have faith that you are going to love music. And as it turned out, which sometimes happens, uh, the thing that I hated that my parents made me do, I eventually was like, eh, I do. Okay, I love it. And so when I started teaching myself guitar and I didn't have to, and I didn't have to practice, I did. I played for hours a day and I didn't call it practicing because it was fun. And I wrote songs and some of them were funny and I started playing them, you know, at talent shows and coffee houses and eventually like in college and out around Boston where I was in college and at summer camp just with my friends. And so that was, that was what I loved. It was the, the first thing that sort of like I chose to do uh, that I, I loved doing. I guess the only other thing that I chose to do at that point was write. Like at, when I was a kid, I drew mm-hmm. and I was like a quote unquote good artist, but then I kind of didn't get better. And so I stopped and I probably didn't get better because I stopped, but I then started writing like a journal and poetry and just kind of, which is now sort of the root of all of, you know, writing is how you get music. Writing is how you get comedy. Yeah. Writing is how you get so many artistic uh, manifestations. And so, okay. hello. Hey, you kind of dropped out for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, did. What did, what is the last thing that you heard? Uh, writing a journal and yeah. Oh, gotcha. Uh, I was writing, I kept a journal, I wrote poetry, and then uh, writing essentially, you know, sort of went on to become uh, like the source of all artistic, you know, manifestation in my life, like comedy, my comedy starts from writing, my music starts from writing, but uh, at the time, it was songs. I just loved writing these songs. I loved uh, performing them for friends, and then I was, I had a, you know, a sense of delusional self-confidence that other people like my friends could like me and like my songs and like my music and so yeah the first uh desired dream goal career for me was like a touring recording artist singer songwriter ah wow and 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 tell me how that program went how did you design the program touring singer songwriter uh well i mean i the I don't even know if I knew how it was going to like look kind of the same way. Here's a, a brief sort of roundabout analogy. Uh, I remember when I was uh, 12, 12 or 13, thinking like, I want to get married, but I've never kissed a girl, really even talked to a girl, really, never went on a date with a girl, other than, you know, I think I'd, I'd talk to the girls in my class, but I was like, how am I ever going to get married? And like, I'd never even taken like a step towards it. And I was 12, I was 13. Eventually I did get married and I got divorced. I took all the steps. And uh, similarly, like I, before I'd even performed out in public, I was like, this is what I want to do. I have the, the image in my mind, or at least the feeling of the shape of what I imagined it to be. But then, I mean, what happened was I did start uh, going out to like open mics around the city and, of Boston where I was living and 
I found there's one place called Club Passim where they had an open mic, a music open mic, but you could do anything every Tuesday night. Uh, but then one place that I found was the comedy studio, a comedy club that I was like, can I play my funny songs there? And so little by little, you know, I would have all these sets all over the place where I would do songs and then sometimes talk in between the songs, which is what eventually would turn into jokes. Uh, and then I started writing jokes because I liked how the talking getting a laugh reaction made me feel. So ultimately, uh, I mean, I, I never did uh, have a, the, the singer-songwriter uh, career shape that I desired, but only because it sort of, I naturally organically shifted into this other comedy direction where I learned like, oh, you write jokes, you go to open mics, you try things uh, dozens of times, hundreds of times, thousands of times, uh, eventually, over the course of years, you build up an act, which probably is what people were doing with their musical careers as well. But I'd been like, I've had sort of like, I guess, a bottleneck, you know, of uh, like, I'd been writing songs and creating songs for so long, but I hadn't been performing them out, you know, for audiences much at all. So I was just like, I don't understand. I'm like, I've got all the songs. Where are the people to listen to them? But with comedy, <laughs> I was starting from nothing. Uh, and I was like, oh, I guess I, I perform as nothing at an open mic. And then it sort of, you know, grew accordingly, like my my experience level, my skill, my capacity, my ability to be funny, and then uh, audiences responding to it. And, and yeah, and audiences do respond to you. You're such a funny man. And your stuff, your material, it, it, it takes like a, a, a twist, almost... Um kind of surreal but not really surreal because it it makes sense you, it, you feel like it's going to a surreal corner but it makes sense uh, but you are just stay dead on with it I mean you don't flinch you don't back up <laughs> you are straight on and you know I've seen I've listened but I've also watched videos where uh you're performing and it's like I keep thinking Mike, you can see these people down the front. They can't even listen anymore. They're laughing. I can see the tears coming out of their eyes. <laughs> it's like they're trying to keep up. I he talked, That's so nice. Oh, last thing about Eddie Murphy. Um, uh, oh, mushrooms. It was about mushrooms. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. well, thank you so much. I, I can assure you that there have been times throughout my comedy career that I probably have flinched, that I have backed down that there there have been audiences that would have wanted me to uh but i mean ultimately i mean it's sort of a there's a, a give and take an ebb and flow to how you like in the beginning how you like learn to discover and create like you know your 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 version of whatever you're doing whether it's comedy music other kinds of art uh but Certainly in the beginning, I had like a delusional self-confidence that like perhaps I would deliver things the same way I would now in some time and in, in some mm -hmm. some circumstances. But then the audiences wouldn't respond because I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't really have uh, I hadn't done anything yet. I hadn't really lived as much. I hadn't really uh, self-reflected as much. I hadn't really even listened to the audience as much, which was sort of a double-edged sort of being helpful to be like, well, this is what I think is funny. This is what I'm going to say. And I don't, not that I don't care what you think, but I don't care 
uh, I don't care what any one audience thinks. I do care maybe uh, over the course of uh, days, weeks, months, and years, or what an aggregate of audiences might think. I care what my audience thinks, like, and, but what is my audience, but the people who uh, like what I do. I care very much what the people who like what I do think. I like it a lot. <laughs> That's good. Which, which brings me to a question you were talking uh, just now. Um, many years ago, I took a course and how to be a stand-up comic from a guy who, did, who was a corporate comedian, and he taught these classes. And most of the people in the group had no desire to be a comic. They just wanted to have more confidence when they had to speak, say, give a, if they were an accountant, they had to give a, a talk at their, uh, at their business, you know, present some information and, uh, or things like that. They just wanted to have more confidence. And my thing was um, I had had a television show on cable in Atlanta, but – I wanted to have a band, but I didn't want to be the person who was stuck going, uh, we'll play again uh, when the drummer fixes a snare head. You know, I wanted to be able to work the crowd, like, like you know, like Tony Fields used to between songs or something. Sure. And so that's why I took it. I didn't want to be left, you know, just leave the people hanging there. And when we practiced, you know, he'd say, okay, we'd all go, like a bunch of us would go to one club. They'd say, you know, tape your act. We'd go to one place. Then maybe the next night would hit the open mic at another place, maybe in the next county or not even 20 miles away, and we'd play. And some places are going to do the same material the same way. In one place, they love you. In the next one, if if you're up there, if they let you stay up there long enough to bomb, you will. But otherwise, you know, they kind of rush you off. And that's got to be, to me, for somebody who does this as a career, you know, when you're testing out material or trying out in the beginning. So how did you, you know, how did you find, and how did you stick to what was true for you? Well, the thing that, uh, that's a good question. And I, I want to, I want to speak to you like the idea that if somebody just wants to learn how to be confident, you know, in a specific situation, like here's an analogy that I was just thinking about when I was like 21, I had a girlfriend in college and uh, over the summer we were apart and I, I cheated on her. And before I had, before anything happened with this person, I had told my girlfriend like, Hey, I met this new person. She's really cool. She's like my friend. She's a new friend. She has a partner. Like I, it's really, we're just like close friends now. And my girlfriend mm-hmm. was like, uh, I, you know, not, not totally cool. She was like jealous. And ultimately she was like, Did, is anything going on? And I was like, no, nothing's going on. And it, nothing was at the time. And then uh, something was, and then my girlfriend broke up with me without even knowing that anything was happening. She was just like, no, thanks. And then we almost got back together because here's the lesson that I learned at that point was like, man, if I hadn't even told my girlfriend anything about this person, then she wouldn't have had any reason to suspect anything. And then we would have been happy together. So the lesson is don't tell the truth. Um, But then, a couple months later, we're back, we're back in school, and she, she's like, I, I wanted to talk to you uh, because I realized that I was unfair to you. Because based on what you told me, I was jealous. I was uncertain with what was going on. But if, if nothing was going on, I trust you and I believe you. So maybe we'll get back together. If, and so, but just I want to double check, did anything happen? And at this point, now I'm like, okay, well, the lesson was <laughs> – don't tell the truth, but I honestly, I, I, at that point, I couldn't want to start the rest of our relationship. I don't want to restart. I said, 
I I'm I am sorry. Like when I told you that it was the truth, but I did. I something did happen, and I can't I can't lie to you about it. And she said she was like I knew it, and then she started laughing, and then she started crying, and then we did not Aww. get back together. We are still friendly to this day, and I'm great, very grateful because I'm with now, and if not for everything that happened before, mm-hmm. uh, I would not be here now. But the the lesson that I learned ultimately, I was like, well, why didn't I stick to my lesson? It was that not not to not tell the truth, but to have the truth be something that I would be happy to share, that I'd want to share, that it's like, because that you know you hear all the things like if you if you don't make things up then you don't have to have a lot of stories to remember just like have the truth be something that you're proud of that you're happy with that you want to share that you can share that you do share uh, especially with the people that you care about and that care about you and so similarly I think the best way to be confident is to have something to be confident about and in like starting learning comedy. Uh, by doing it or by taking a class, you might very well, like, your confidence might feel fake because it is, because you have, you're like, you're just putting up a front. You're like, that, that's certainly what I was. I was like, I didn't know that I was because I didn't know that I wasn't as funny as I would become. I was just like, I think I'm good. I've got, you know, straight white male delusional self-confidence. And uh, even when audiences were like, I don't know about this. I was like, don't worry. I do. You know, my grandmother tells me that I'm funny. So don't you worry about anything. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you're, if you're learning comedy for public speaking, if you want to be confident in a different area of life, uh, hopefully it's an area of life that you, you know, maybe it's that you have some knowledge, you have some skills, but you don't have the public speaking capacity. So you're not confident in your speaking, but once you learn, how to speak once you learn to what to do in those situations, um, then you have the thing to be confident in. You have your talent, your skill, your work, your whatever it is that you are talking about. And so one other thing is I have a friend who he's a, I think he's a professor. He's a teacher of some kind at a college in Australia. And uh, he was telling me that he had to do a zoom like lecture and he was like this is a weird thing like I, it's kind of my first time doing this thing do you 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 do a lot of more public speaking than I do can you uh, offer any advice and one piece of advice that I offered is like talk about how it's weird don't try to ignore that don't try to be like oh well, I should make it seem ah. like and that's like whenever I, I listen to Dan Savage uh, and his podcast the Savage Lovecast a lot and uh-huh. some of the people call in and they're like I don't have a lot of experience, but it seems like everyone else my age is supposed to have a lot of experience. So should I try to fake it? And he's like, no, like open with your, with the truth, with honesty. And you want somebody who, you know, will care about you for who you are and what you're offering. And Mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't know what you're doing, but you pretend that you do, most people, a lot of people might see through that anyway. And then they're like, why are you trying to trick me? It's not working at all. But if you're just like, hey, this is the truth, like, you can have even confidence in your inexperience. You can be like, look, I don't know what I'm doing. So be gentle, be kind, be, be helpful. Let me know. Tell me how I'm doing. How's my driving? And so I think that, I mean, where I've gotten to now after 18-ish years of doing comedy is I now know that I can talk about – I can, you know, I can write jokes about whatever I want. I can talk about whatever I want. And so now it's like much more – 
valuable for me to talk about things that I care the most about, things that are like things that I think are the most funny and the most interesting and the most important and the most like relevant and the most present. And whereas in the beginning of my comedy career, uh, before it was even a career, I was just like taking jokes as they came. It seemed like they were coming from wherever they were. I was like, well, this one and this one and this one, I tried them all regardless (laughs) if they were about, you know, about anything. Some of them were about my life. Some of them were about, social justice issues I care about. Some of them were about just like absurdity. Some of them were about pop culture, movies I like, movies I don't like. You know, they, I was just like, try everything. Just like throw it all against the wall. And like now there's just, <laughs> I know there's so much, I can't even throw it all against the wall. I'm just like, oh, I got to pick which, which of these things do I want to throw against the wall? Which of the ones do I want to stick? Uh, and so that is, I actually, I don't know, I don't even remember it so long ago what the question is that you asked, but something, if I remember correctly, it was something like, how do you remain true to yourself? And I feel like I'm, I'm becoming a truer version of myself uh, by, through a process of doing and learning and trial and error. And because it's not like I was always this version of myself, like when I was younger, experienced less of a comedian, like less of a, mm-hmm. you know, as fully forming of a human being. So uh, I hope that answers some of the questions. Yes, it definitely does. All right, we're going to stop for just a moment. So, because uh, Mike has been, I, I want to make sure he gets some water. I want to make sure his throat is, 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 is still up for the rest of the show. And um, if, you, this is, if you're listening live tonight, which is September 21st, 2020, uh, it's 8.25 p.m. Eastern Time, GMT minus 5, and you got a question or a comment for Mike, you know, you can always call in 646-716-9922, which is a toll-free call on the continental U.S. Blog Talk Radio assures me. Uh, 646-716-9922. Or for the people who, Mike, this is someplace we've all been before. When you're at a, a job or a place where you can't be, can't talk out loud, but you do have something to say, you can always send me a message on Facebook through Jennifer Modette Perry or Madam Perry Salon, either one, and I'll make sure to give it to him. And then right now, um, got a little message from my friends Charles, Ernie, and Shaq. So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well I'll I tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who's going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on it. And I don't, I don't really feel I talk That's kind of harsh. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right now. Do you want to talk about lunch? No. (laughs) What would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rostar, all the comedians. What about people that don't have rings? Here we go. Real funny, Chuck. Real funny. (laughs) But I think she's great. And I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. You know, Mike. Sometimes I think that's the. I should just learn. I've learned to be happy when somebody just says something's not terrible. It's not terrible like that. Just like he did. Uh, that's fair. I yeah. I mean that's a good place to start. <laughs> Yes, it is. And I want to be, let's see. I was going to talk to you. You've got three podcasts: uh, The Faucet, Hang Out with Me, and Broccoli and Ice Cream. 
Yes. So it's the newest podcast that I've created is called The Faucet, where I release at least a couple episodes a week uh, whenever I feel like. Um, and it's just me, just one person talking, uh, a stream of consciousness flowing out of the faucet that is myself, my, the, the conduit, the vessel, whatever it is, I start talking and keep talking. Sometimes it's uh, a, kind, kind of like the thing that I was just talking about with how I started doing my comedy. Sometimes it will be about like a meaningful life experience that I've had recently. Sometimes it will be just sort of uh, bouncing on trampolines of absurdist wordplay. Uh, and sometimes it'll be like some combination thereof. Uh, so that that's the faucet. Then for the past two, two and a half years, I've been putting out a podcast called Broccoli and Ice Cream, where it's me and one guest, and uh, usually one guest. Uh, and I, I have a conversation with them. It's often another comedian, sometimes uh, a writer, sometimes an activist, sometimes a politician once in a while. So just usually a, it's often a creative person, an artist, somebody who does some sort of work in the world, which I say is represented by broccoli and who experiences joy in their life as represented by ice cream. So I have one conversation focused on the metaphorical broccoli of their life and another focused on the metaphorical ice cream. And each of those comes out about once a week. Also one, one for free, uh, wherever you get free podcasts and the other on uh, Patreon, you can support me there. And then in 2012, I, my first podcast was born, and it was called Hang Out With Me. And there are almost – there's like between 450, 500 episodes on, uh, on iTunes on where, where I've posted them. Uh, and I – but I haven't really – I stopped making it in April, March, April of 2018. Uh, and that's when I started doing Broccoli and Ice Cream. Kind of instead, I'm like, well, this is my podcast now because – Hang out with me was usually me and two friends uh, just mm -hmm. hanging out. And sometimes it would be meaningful. Sometimes it would be funny. Sometimes it would be both. Sometimes it would be neither. And that was the, <laughs> that was the goal, just to have, like, a fun, like, loving conversation with uh, like-minded or not like-minded, just, like, people who, I, people who I knew and liked having conversations with. Often, again, lots of comedians uh, and other just sometimes just friends from life. Uh, outside yeah. of comedy, you've had people, and um, uh, what I was looking to on a, on broccoli and ice cream, um, Judy Gold, Ken Jennings, and I see here that you've had uh, Minori Hines, and she's a comedian. I've seen her perform. I was living in Asheville for a while, Asheville, North Carolina, and I've seen her there. Funny woman. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Minori is uh, a dear friend. I I think I met her when I was performing in Asheville in maybe like 2013 or thereabouts, some, something like that. And like, I just, uh, we, we became friends and I've just always been a fan of her as a human being and as a comedian. And so whenever I, whenever I'm in uh, a driving range of her, uh, I'm always happy to be uh, in a, in a building when, when safe and healthy doing comedy with her or hanging out being friends for sure. And, uh, and I, yeah. Go for it. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and say, so, so if I invite her to be on the show and she asks you, you're going to say, no, go for it. It's okay. Uh, I will 100. I'll, I'll, after we get off this call, I'll tell her that her name came up on the podcast and we will, uh, and I would recommend it. 
Oh, good. Also, I'll say you got on there, God, John Fugel sang in God's Unauthorized Fan Clubs, which reminds me, Wednesday night, my guest is Tony Ketty, who has a book called Republican Jesus. Oh, amazing. Yeah, uh, that oh. sounds very fun. And uh, I mean, I, I oh. hope, depending on the, the context, but uh, yeah, John John is a fantastic comedic and just like oh. literary almost uh, in in his like encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible and politics. Like, I don't know how he does everything that he does, but it's impressive. Well, yes, exactly. If I could remember the way he puts it and uh, how he says, it's always the people who are out there saying, you know, that the people who represent white supremacy are always the perfect examples that contradict that. Oh, yes. Those words, yeah. But anyway, we do have uh, some, if a call or someone visiting here in the genie bottle. If you don't mind, Mike Kaplan, comedian. And, and also, we want to make sure everybody knows that your newest album, AKA, which is a scream, it's a riot, and I can listen to it over and over and over, uh, and I have, is uh, been submitted for a nomination for a Grammy, and I want to talk about that, too, before you get off. But if you would reach over to your left, if you don't mind, and part the beaded curtain, because somebody's going oh, to come sure. in here. It's, uh, you got it. It's one of, one of our regular favorites here on Madam Perry's Salon. It is Kenya. Kenya, come on in. Sit down. Oh, thank you for inviting me in. So, uh, oh, let me get my hips in. Let me get the hips. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mike. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Squeezing it in. So I am enjoying the show because I love comedians that are great storytellers. Like to me, that's the key to a good joke is or or a, a comedy skit is that how well do you tell the story? Can I keep up with it? And when you started um, talking to Jennifer, Madam Perry, about the time that you realized that you wanted to get married one day, and that's how you, and if I'm not mistaken, you were saying that that's how you um, approach maybe comedy or the things that you want to do in life yeah. is by first seeing it and then working all the details out later. Yes, I I will say that I that is 100%. I think you got the message of the story. I will say that as as the 12-year-old version of me in the story, I did not have the foresight. I now look back and would tell anyone if they were looking for advice on how to do anything. Like, there's some people who are like, how do I do everything? How do I do this big thing? You're like, well, have you thought about starting with the smallest one thing, the smallest something, the smallest step towards it? Exactly. Uh, and they're like, no, no, I don't want to do one thing. I want to do everything. And so I was, I was that <laughs> unaware person at the beginning of it. And so I don't, and I'm still in some ways, I'm sure an unaware person uh, that has yet to discover all that I'll learn in the next several, I, I hope decades of my life. And, but yes, the, if you want, if the greatest, if you want to do something, if you know what you want to do, that's already wonderful. What a, what a gift to 
to have an idea of if you're a child, what you want to be when you grow up, what you want to do, to ha- as an adult, to have an idea of what you want to be and what you want to do as an adult right now or later. And I think one of the additionally great uh, options for determining what you want to do and how to do it is look at what you have done and what you have enjoyed doing, what you have been good at. And if there's any sort of confluence of all those things, be like, well, how do you make that happen again? When, when did you achieve something, anything? When did you feel the way that you wanted to feel? And can you, you know, uh, in the language of what we're talking about here, bottle that? Yes, definitely. I agree with you totally. And I have a saying sort of close to what you were saying with the little things. And I'm always telling my kids that in order to get the big things, in order because I am I'm spiritual, but I just believe that the universe gives you what you can handle. And the more you can handle, the more it gives to you. So the least you can handle, the and, and, and that you've shown an example of, like if you can't handle the little things, trust me, you cannot handle the big things. So kind of start with the little things. Uh, definitely. I I like the idea. I mean, we can only, you know, if you want to, let's say you're struggling with something like I want to do, you know, let, let's say it's an addiction. Let's say it's alcoholism. If you're like, you know, thinking about it, I want to be sober for the rest of my life. That might not be the easiest way to make it happen as opposed to being like, let me try one day. Let me try one hour. Let me try exactly. one minute. Yes. One yes. little thing at a time. <laughs> Very good. Well, I am enjoying the show. I, I love to I love the conversation you guys got going and I was Thank just you. kind of listening to it, thinking about the broccoli and ice cream show and just hang out with me and I'm trying to figure out how to get to those shows to to listen to them. Which podcasts are they on and is it is it just that name? Or is it something else to go along with it? Uh, if I understand your question correctly, and you, you want to know how to listen to my podcast or where to get them or how? Yes, basically, yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, oh, if you listen to podcasts, uh, oh, cool. then wherever you can get them most places anywhere. Uh, like they're on, I think they're on Spotify. I think they're on SoundCloud. They're definitely on Apple Podcasts. Like if you go into any pod uh, directory and that you might use or if you even if you just search the name broccoli and ice cream and my name or the faucet and my name the thing about hang out with me that i wanted to say real quick is i since i stopped doing them i stopped creating them in 2018 and started making these other podcasts i then just a couple just a month or two ago realized that there are still people regularly downloading the episodes that exist of hang out with me even six years, no, no, sorry, two years after I stopped uh, making them at all. So I started releasing a couple short ones here and there, just mostly asking, who are you and why are you still here and why aren't you listening to my other podcast? So, uh, so you can listen to any and all of them, but mostly Hang Out With Me now is dedicated to uh, confusedly almost mock berating people for listening to a podcast that's over instead of a podcast that's still going. That's still going, exactly. 
I'll check it out. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a what a delightful conversation you've been a part of. Well, thank you. You guys are great. Keep it up. (laughs) Okay. All right. Oh, God. And um, let's talk to, uh, for people who want to know, and of course, I will be sharing how to get, how to uh, listen to Mike's podcast, how to buy his albums, and everything Mike Kaplan that you could possibly want to get on all of my social media for Madam Perry Salon as well as Jennifer Perry. But the website, and thank you for making this so simple. The website is simply Mike, M-Y-Q, Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N.com. And it's a great website. It's got It's easy to navigate. It's got everything across the top, a.k.a. your newest album, and then click buy so you can buy everything, tour where you can see. Then uh, there's a broccoli. Hang, Thank you. Blog, watch, listen. It's so well done. Um, so you, uh, it's all you got to do is a couple of clicks, and you've got it with you to carry with you all the time. Uh, well, I I appreciate that. I think also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that my website will be updated soon as well. There's a new, even I think more colorful uh, version of it coming. So keep. Keep your eyes on it, and it should be, I think, hopefully just as easy to navigate, if not more so. But, uh, yeah, you can definitely get all of my things there or uh, wherever you wish. All right. And uh, um, let's see. Sorry, the next show is a dog fight. Uh, I know you think (laughs) – I had true crime author uh, Matt – Phelps, M. William Phelps on. I don't know if you've heard of him. Just a moment. Oh, sure. These corgis can be extortionists. You know, it's like, we'll keep, it'd be a shame if your show got messed up and they couldn't hear. Got any treats hanging around? Yeah, they're like little mafia dogs. Sure. <laughs> it'd be a shame if nobody could hear your guests. So, um, uh, I have no idea where I was. Oh, uh, Matt Phelps. He's a true crime writer. Yes. He's got these television shows on ID Discovery and then one long series he followed with somebody. And he was on one night, and the dogs got to bark, and I think I had to push one out the door, and she made a little sound like she was hurt, but it was her feelings that were hurt. And, and he wanted to stop the whole show and make sure that no animals were being injured during the show, and he just would not let it go. So I think he thought that because I broadcast from Atlanta that this is Michael Vick's house, but it's not, so... I I hear you. I like that. I'm glad that it sound it sounded like the dog. You know, we're just doing regular old dog barking. Dog, yes, yes, dog, yeah. They're just being dog things. Okay, good. All right. Don't I don't need any trouble. I don't look for trouble. <laughs> I don't need trouble. Mike Kaplan, your newest album, AKA, is tell us tell us about the Grammy and what we oh, can sure. do with the hashtag that we can give that everybody will. Very kind of you to ask. And offer so the album came out earlier this year. It's called AKA. You can, I mean, number one, the thing that anyone can do, and I'd love for you to do, is listen to it. You can get it uh, anywhere that you would normally get, you know, music or comedy albums. Uh, you can download it. You can stream it. You can even get a physical copy from my record label, Blonde Medicine. Uh, if you go to blonde with an e medicine dot com slash AKA, that'll let you know so many ways to get it, to listen. 
And then also, uh, if you like it, which I hope you do, uh, you can help spread the word about it. Right now, it has been considered to be nominated for a Grammy, which is, as you know, just an honor to be submitted, to be considered to be nominated. And uh, if you ask my father, uh, I've already won, or at least I've already been nominated, which I haven't. I got a, he told his brother, I got uh, a message from my aunt and uncle. They're like, we heard that you were nominated for an Emmy. And I'm like, that's not even the award. But it's the Wait, way, the, a way that you can help, if you wish, is uh, I have posted on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook various, uh, just like, Posts saying, letting people know that the album exists and has been submitted to the Grammys. And there's all kinds of hashtags like hashtag Grammys, Grammy, or Grammike, which is just Grammy with Mike, the way I spell it at the end. Uh, hashtag for your consideration, hashtag recording academy. And you can use all of those to help if you're a voter. If you're a voter for the Grammys, then you can listen and consider voting for it. If you know a voter, you can tell them. And if you don't, you can just tell anyone that you want. Tell everyone that you think might be interested in listening, considering, and helping spread the word as such. All right. Well, um, I've let my Grammy nom uh, membership lapse the last <laughs> couple of years. I was a nominating member, not a voting member, but I still have a lot of friends that are and we'll be sharing that. And I am so excited for you. I, I just think, um, yeah, this is going to be great. Well, I really I appreciate it. Very excited for you. This is going to, you got to come back on if, if, uh, if, if you had a good time, and I hope you did, because we certainly love having you here. Then we'll just have to um, talk about it. And the next one coming up. And by the way, uh, while you still, you know, because once you're gone, nobody's going to listen. So uh, Wednesday night, Tony Ketty, he is a scholar, uh, professor. His specialties, I think, are politics and economics uh, back in the biblical times. And funny, in this book, Republican Jesus, um, he, he pretty much leads with the fact that uh, Jesus was not, he was not white and blue-eyed. I, I don't know where he gets this, but... I think it's a great book. I'm halfway through reading it, and I think everybody's going to – you're going to feel one way or another about it, but I'm excited to have him on Wednesday. And I'm excited for Mike Kaplan and AKA, and uh, big love to you and yours and Blonde Medicine and your whole team. Uh, anything? Thank you. We're here the for same you, Mike Kaplan. appreciated, reciprocated. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure, and I'll be thrilled to be Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.